we all have gifts that are different. So I think it's important to use our gifts accordingly. But for me, it's to help facilitate and create the space. So I feel like now it's more of a mandate. I do it in my coaching. It's what I do day in and day out. But when it comes to some of these topics that are a little bit different, just being in the space, I don't have to be the authority, but just the presence alone means something. Try this bad boy out for science. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no-judgment zone, a certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation. Welcome to the Decision Table, where we just literally have conversations well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And I just looked up and realized we were recording, so we are here. <laughs> <laughs> we are definitely here. And yes, we are recording live. And a lot of the time it's later when people listen to this and get the droplets of wisdom that always come from just having a conversation with another awesome human. And I think in today's world, this becomes even more important, right? Just connecting, seeing how what's happening in your world, what's going on what you're thinking, and how we can do things a bit more effectively. And I think, you know, someone asked me the other day, what is it that you're wanting from the decision table? And and it's so funny. Like one of the reasons I don't have a big talk beforehand, I don't even, you know, introduce people with their jobs, their everything, is because I actually want to see where the conversation can go. I want to see where you know, what is happening on the ground for you, what you're seeing, what are insights in your world, and then seeing how we can evolve as we have this conversation. And I think that part of what has happened in the past, and, you know, my field is very much in the leadership space, but Mm. is that we've been so used to having it all right, Right. And turning up and and knowing exactly what's going to happen, how we do this. And I think part of what I'm teaching right now or, or learning through my work is this need for a new approach. If you are thinking of that, what does that mean for you and, and what you're seeing? Well, I think in relation to what you're just kind of piggyback off of what you're saying, and I know we'll get into my part a little bit later, but I agree with you. I think a lot of adventure can come from conversations. I think um, Mm. I always like to tell my clients, it's important, the women that I work with, it's important to chase the white rabbit, you know, as if you were Alice in Wonderland, (laughs) because sometimes we get kind of like a viewpoint of something. And I, I think we don't trust our instinct enough to just go with it, to really chase down how we really feel and to validate it and to have it validated and heard. So I think it's so important to kind of crack into those darker spaces, not like dark as in, you know, that kind of dark, but as in those spaces we don't visit that much and mm. kind of shine a little bit of light, you know, wiggle the doorknob, see what's behind it. And it's always um, something kind of fresh and unexpected. So I, I, I'm right there with you in that train of thought. I think it's, it's refreshing and fascinating to just kind of let it go. <laughs> so... So I love that. But then how do we do that well? Because, you know, in a world where in this society is teaching us how to speak, how not to speak, what is right, what is not right, there is this, we need to keep evolving, but how do we evolve if there's so many rules and regulations? Any thoughts around that? Oh, goodness gracious. Well, I feel like <laughs> 
Like, that's like, it feels like you my didn't, You didn't think this was going to be like this conversation where we're just going to talk about the weather, what's it like over there, <laughs> yeah, any of that, no. right? Look, okay. I'm an INFJ. Deep is always good for me. You can drop me off a well. It'll never be deep Excellent. enough. Um, <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> no, I think I think of it as, you know, there's a lot involved with that statement. I mean, I think I like to think of like a cat. I'm very visual. So I think of like castle walls. You know, there's so much to actually have to get through before you can actually really get to the heart of the matter and the heart of people. And there's so many smoke and mirrors. And in my world, being a mindset and clarity coach, especially when you start talking about mindset and being that most of our thinking is subconscious, you know, the most important things to us are actually kind of hidden beneath the surface. So when you start asking a question like that, that just automatically plunges into, I think it starts with the willingness to want to take a look and a willingness to kind of, it's almost like that matrix thing. I can't remember the movie that well, but I know there's a red pill and there's a blue pill. You have there to have is. that willingness <laughs> to go and say, let me see what's beyond what's quite obvious to me. And I don't mean I'm not speaking, mm. in but I mean that it first starts with a question of I see what I see and I know what I know. But what is the unseen? What's the deeper parts of myself, of this world? Yeah. How we fit together? And that's what cracks the door open to, you know, understanding and epiphanies. OK, we're going to go down this rabbit hole. The okay. unseen. How do we feel confident to have a conversation around the unseen, the unknown? Because that is where if society has put rules and regulations or we have allowed ourselves to be kind of stuck in systemic thinking, then how do we now be willing to, to maybe even go down that, open that door, peek inside and see what that's going to, because that's unknown territory and I don't know. It, it just seems like, for me, that seems exciting, right? Like I go, oh, what's behind that door? I'm like that kid that goes, what's under that Christmas tree? What is in that present? How can I open it up and then put it back on so no one knows that I saw it? Or, you know, feel it and go, I know what that is. I want to know what the unknown is, Right. How do we feel comfortable with the uncomfortable of going down into that unknown? Well, that is the that's the million dollar question. You know, the only thing I can refer, reference back to, of course, in my line of work, what I do is that I think, and even in relation to my own life, getting comfortable with it. I think it's really about getting the comfortableness is the problem. <laughs> that's and Ooh, that's tell me know, that. What do you mean by that? <laughs> well, I mean, you know. For many of us, and there are those that are outside, like the outliers, they they look for that type of adventure. And I, I can kind of say that in relation to myself, I didn't really uncover and discover those hidden parts of myself until I got really uncomfortable with where I was and where what I was, I realized wasn't it. So, mm. you know, just I kind of equate it to wearing an acrylic sweater. You know, you can wear it for a little while. And you'll look cute in your little sweater. You'll take some pictures, but eventually it just starts to itch. And you're like, wait. And then you start asking the question. You, you can kind of deal with it for a little bit. And then you're like, okay. And then you're trying to be pleasant about it. And then it starts getting annoying. And then you start asking yourself finally that question. Why am I wearing this sweater in the first place? I think until people can get to the place where they are uncomfortable enough to finally, because habits are hard to kick. We're human beings. So, you know, data shows that. And when you start getting into this, you know, mindset and all that stuff, habits are the hardest thing for people to break. So monotonous 
kind of do and perform and know what's going to happen is what people kind of gravitate toward. Oh, don't you find that so boring? I have to interrupt. Like (laughs) That's the thing of, I have to say, the thing of being stuck inside in these lockdowns. For me, the thing that drives me nuts, I'm waking up doing the same thing, the same place, the same time, every day kind of thing almost. Well, I think, see, this is where it gets fascinating for me because I say <laughs> living. I love people and people are so unique. And I think, though, this, that spark is different in everybody. Mm-hmm. So what I hear from you is that spark shows up uniquely different for you. You're like, oh, no, I don't like this. There are other people where that monotonous and that kind of way of life makes them and they love it, but they have a spark that's different. So, for instance, I'm an introvert. I'm in a typical INFJ, so we are like the knowledge seekers. My spark is personal development. You know, I'm going to sit in the same place in the same movie theater. When I go to church, I can sit in the same seat. I am unmoved by that. But when it comes to what I know and the curiosity of learning and self-personal growth and development, that is my adventurous territory. So I think it really comes down to helping people find their adventurous territory because we're all wired a bit different. And when I look over the lane and I see your adventure and I see you enjoying yourself and I'm like, why can't my adventure look like hers? That's where people get jaded. Because it's not supposed to. Mm. But here's the funny thing. When you talk about what you love, I go, there's actually this cross pathway. I am so there with you. I'm Mm -hmm. so like, I love to learn about who I am, what I'm about. And I think that's part of the new approach is that as leaders, we've got to keep evolving. Guess what? I'm an extreme introvert. Many don't know it, but I really am. And so my refueling is sitting in a place quietly and just I love like my favorite is actually I'm just going to grab it because you're visual so grabbing say something like this with a pencil which you always know I'll have one nearby and an eraser (laughs) and which is right here yeah yeah and I love to sit and just have that in front of me That is my Mm -hmm. refueling, right? So Mm -hmm. I get that we have different ways in which we do it, but I think there's always a crossroad in which we join pathways. Of course. I know we say, of course, but here's the thing. A lot of people get stuck at that, oh, but you do it different, or look what you're doing over here, or this is happening, and yet we don't take that time to find what that crossway pathway is where maybe we could agree on something and bring, I don't know, some change to culture that could be quite beneficial for all of us. It's a possibility. You know, I think that's... (laughs) I love that. It's a possibility. What does that mean? (laughs) No, I agree with you. I I think it really comes down to, you know, the greatest knowledge is self-knowledge. So it's really hard to kind of really get a spark from someone else if you're not the paper yourself that's going to really take, if you're not paper soaked in like kerosene, you, mm. you, you won't be lit ablaze. If you're dry, it's not going to happen. So I think it's really about as a two-step process is getting clear enough on yourself and understanding what you bring to the table and what yeah. your values are, your interests, and then being able to cross pollinate with someone else and then be able to pick up, you know, what they have and then see how that kind of works. I think that's kind of what creates and makes that's, I mean, that's how hybrids are made in science. <laughs> you know, two mm. things that are opposite, they come together. There's some genetic kind of, you know, ways in which that works out. And there we go with the live. Yeah. I, I wonder how that works out. I'm married to something like that, right? Like literally <laughs> we are polar opposites in so many things. Like I cannot tell you, I talk about 
humanity and and adding value to the table and you know if I'll end up in tears if I see injustice my husband he loves comedians and one of the things they do often is pull people down and you know like his world is I dump and I put things everywhere mine is I like it organized I like (laughs) it clean I like turning up knowing where something is so that I can use my time more effectively than spending two hours looking for something. He loves to spend. I love to have money to invest. (laughs) We are literally polar opposites. Yet I can tell you there is definitely some crossroads and we have a few children to make sure that, you know, we can show that's the truth. But in the same way, it's, it's kind of bizarre because if we weren't willing to bring our two very different worlds together and connect, we would never have found out that actually we love living life together, we love going on adventures together, we love to have a good laugh that just maybe about different things that he would be laughing about on when I'm not around kind of thing, <laughs> right? And I think that we have to be so careful that we don't get, we don't miss out on those because we are afraid of the unknown. And by the way, you can disagree with anything I say on here. And that's part of the decision table is that we have these conversations. So I'm not looking for you to agree with everything that I say anyway, but I love it when you do, by the way. Um, <laughs> but no, I just want to give you permission because I think this is how we learn. And this is where I go back into going the unknown. It's kind of scary. And I, and maybe in the outer worlds, if I look at my husband and I, you know, the reason that we work so well together on one side of it is because it's kind of fun because he's pushed me and taught me so many things because he does it so differently, mm-hmm. right? And I would hope that that has happened on the other side. I'm not convinced that it's happened on the other side. <laughs> somebody somebody you know, goes a little bit faster than the other person sometimes. Well, you know, or willingness to. And, you know, I've got a lot of autistic people in my house and um, I'm used to people being very set in their way. So it's not something strange in my world. But I do think that, you know, some of us do evolve uh, not evolve in this way, but because that kind of makes us sound cooler than the other person because it's not about that. I think that some of us are willing to realize that when we ask questions, we're not saying that we're right or wrong, but we really do want to learn. How do we get that more into culture? Because I think if we talk about the unknown, part of this is that I want to learn. I want to learn what is your perspective? What are you seeing, Victoria? What does that look like when I look through the lens that you're looking through? How do we do that better? Well, let me touch on that. But actually, if you don't mind, I'm going to backtrack a little bit because I totally uh, agree with um, the the marriage part. And I think there's mm. something important about relationships because I think, you know, I don't think a person completes you. That's my personal idea. I don't feel like that's anybody's job. That's our own job to complete ourselves. But they can complement. So I've been with my husband for over 24 years, yeah. 18 years old. I thought it's so funny, night when you're young and naive, I thought we were exactly alike. In t- <laughs> Me too. Because we gelled so well together. Yeah. But then as I grew and got older and, you know, matured more and, you know, you start to change. I was like, wait, whoa, we're totally different. I didn't realize that. I'm the introvert. He's the extrovert. He's a really cool yes. guy. I'm the really uptight. Let's get it done chick. 
but we we made and then we had one of the coolest kids but anyway that's all another topic but <laughs> but it is very interesting though i've learned with people and to kind of give you a sense of the connect the question you have about seeing in a lens mm. one of the greatest things i've learned especially out of maturity is that's just it sometimes i think we do more harm if we try to force someone to see from where we can see because i'm one of those people i do believe we all have innate brilliance and it comes in a in a type of way in which other people can't readily tap into it mm. and that sometimes it's really hard when you can see something and you're trying especially like with a spouse or someone close you're trying to get them to see and they're just not there and i think the smartest thing is oftentimes realizing it's trying to get out of what we see so easily and to step out of that and shift into a mode of how other people see. So when you ask me what I do for a living or how that relates to it, that's what I do so easily for other people is that it's easy for me to see what others see and actually to see what they're missing. So what I've noticed about people is their sight is impaired when it comes to their value, how much brilliance they bring to the table, who they really are from an identity perspective. They've been fed that all their life. They picked up these cues. They put those into their wagon. And that is the wagon they drag with all the stuff that's been loaded up. But they don't realize that they themselves come with other elements that aren't external. They really are internal. And when I gave my TEDx talk, it is on the title, You Are Who You Are, Not What You Do. And I think it really mm-hmm. takes order to see you have to pull back the layers of all the expectations, all the thoughts you've had about yourself, what you think you've known to be true, like we talked about earlier. Yeah. And you have to wipe that board clear and be open to doing a deep dive exploration. And that's where I come in because I'm, I tell people, I'm not a snorkeler. I'm a scuba diver. So if my job is <laughs> going deep. Yeah. I had that. So funny you use that analogy. I literally had that conversation with a group, collaborative group that we're putting together a community. And I said to them, okay, today, you know, we are not just putting that snorkel on. We're going for that deep, deep dive. And you need to come with me because I need this to be heard and seen. Now, whether you get all of it, that's okay, but I need to go there. And I nearly lost most of them from that in that day because not everyone can do that deep dive or are willing to go there. No. And I think that's where, you know, yourself and myself in this, that we are willing to go deep diving and figure out what is that unknown. How do we bring others on that journey? Because I think that is important too, that we don't just go and enjoy that deep dive but that we take people on that journey. And I think that that is sometimes the difficult piece of the unknown is we're learning what that unknown is. And then even though we're not totally clear about what that is, maybe because we haven't got it all sorted, right? Yeah. Then how do we take people on this unknown pathway? Because there's a lot of talk around this right now, if you think about it with across the globe. There's a lot of conversations around even taking racial tension, right? Yeah. Like I have been born into a very different environment to what a lot of other people would think that I have been born into. Myself. Yeah. Okay. There you go. And yet on the outside, it is very quick for people to judge or to think they know what I've gone through. How do we do that well and take people on a journey to help them see a different perspective even though they haven't experienced it, 
And even though they might have seen it in a different way somewhere else, but we want to take them with us. Well, I think with much grace, sensitivity, and also empathy Mm -hmm. and truthfulness, the reason racial issues don't, they bother me, obviously, but they don't get to me as as bad maybe as some other people, maybe because I haven't experienced extreme overt racism. I was born a military brat, so we would travel. We were always (laughs) well mixed with people. I was always the only black girl in all my honor classes. You know, I was always used to being the only one. It's just kind of my perspective. But I realized that everybody comes with just that. They come with a perspective. And sometimes we expect people to cross the aisle so easily to see what they have not seen, but they've not experienced it. They have no context. So I think it takes grace and openness on both sides. The person that's experienced the, you know, the hardship to say, hey, I understand you might have not seen this, but let me show you another perspective. Maybe you have some unknown biases that you don't even realize that are there. Let's talk about this thing. And then on the flip side, be willing and open to see what it's like from their perspective. You know, I've had friends that didn't grow up with, you know, certain types of racists being around certain type of races, that was unheard of for me because we were always just a melting pot. But you have to, instead of Mm -hmm. judging people so swiftly, it really does take that kind of grace. And I think I'm able to easily attribute that just because of also, I grew up in a Christian household and I I really have this sense of, you know, look, and I'm also about, you know, I come from a science background. I mean, I know when we, if you take the skin off, it's all the same. So to me, racism is illogical anyway. So that definitely points to a bigger issue. And yet it takes so much of our energy across the the globe right now, right? (laughs) Well, I think it screams to the dark side of humankind, which is Mm -hmm. because I think we all have a shadow of it in ourselves. We're honest. We all have some kind of bias. So we might as well be clear because, you know, mindset, 5% of our thoughts are conscious, 95% are subconscious. But when it's really extreme, it really does scream to that negative point in human nature, which is I must be superior than someone else. And I think getting back to what we talked about, the reason I am at all with people is because when I, every person I encounter, because I can so easily see people's brilliance, it's like a Rubik's cube. It's like handing me a Rubik's cube and asking me to solve it. It's like, I can't, you see people do it like in three seconds. I'm like, this is I think if we got back to the awe and wonder of people Mm. realizing that there's something that you said something earlier, we can learn and actually they can attribute to our lives. If we were open to that, it would really change the scope of how we interact with people. But because there's that closeness and oftentimes Mm -hmm. unknown to the people themselves, that's what prohibits that synchronicity from happening. But I think, sorry, I just have to say in here because I think what we're talking about right now is that deep dive and it is unknown ground and it's not comfortable for a lot of people. And I, and I say that because at the moment I'm literally writing a book around called Humanity as Stakeholders, The Future mm-hmm. of Leadership. It, it may be a little deep or so. <laughs> and, <laughs> but here's the thing. It's as deep as you want it to go. And I think that this is... This is part of that conversation. You are so willing to go deep. Let's pull that back up. If I think of humanity as stakeholders, and I keep saying this, humanity is you and I. That's as as simple as it is. And you and I make up the global landscape. That's as simple as it is, right? Mm -hmm. So it can be as extreme from, yes, humanity to you and I. Mm -hmm. And when I think of stakeholders, it means... Are we coming to the table 
bringing all our whether it's racial tension, whether it's gender equality, whether it's and and these are all interesting conversations. But I think if we come to the table first as a human race and see humans first and then bringing our distinctions are different things and we can work through that and how that can. But we cannot have a conversation to start with or even start going down this unknown pathway unless we're willing to see each other as humans first and then listen to each other and get curious. And I think that that's where that grace comes into it that you speak of is Mm -hmm. if we see that everyone that it comes to the table has something to add, it just may not be what you think it is because we've got these conditionings and biases and systemic ways in which have sort of evolved us to this point. What if we came and we just go, hey, I see human first. I want to see value added to the human race and I want to see what distinctions you bring. Would that change our conversation? I think when you come in any environment with a, an element of expectancy, you're going to get what you're mm-hmm. desiring. That automatically implies an openness. And most time people come, if you think about it and they're having a conversation, there's a guardedness. There's this, okay, I'm nervous or I don't know what I'm going to encounter. Or a, it's an automatic posture yeah. of defense. And I think that when you're really comfortable in your own skin, and I think we probably can definitely agree with this, the older you get, that's why we notice that happens kind of naturally. Well, you you have no choice but to get comfortable (laughs) in the skin. (laughs) I mean, you still can kind of still have some challenges. But, you you know, you go to Walmart, you see women in rollers. They don't even Mm -hmm. care. They're like, they're past a certain age. It's not about any of that anymore. And I think that that's a very important place to be at because, I think when you let down the walls, it's so much easier to be a recipient of the things you spoke about. And even if you don't agree, no one says we have to agree on everything, but that one line that connects us all is humanity. And I think that deserves honor and respect and love and that graciousness. And then that will create that bridge, you know, like going back to like the whole idea of the castle, you know, the walls are too thick and they're impenetrable. It's nobody's getting over, but we all have to lower our drawbridge. Don't let people drown in the moat and then welcome people on and connect that way. So where have we got this block, this drawbridge has come up? Like where does this come from and how do we even start thinking about pulling that down and, and creating safer spaces for us to have conversations like this? And by the way, so grateful that you're willing to jump on here and have a conversation like this, right? Because it goes back to what you just said. Not everyone is willing to do that. Not everyone is willing to open up and go, how can we have a different conversation? Well, you know, I think it's important to remember, at least for me, again, it always comes back to the core essence of people and capabilities. Sometimes I think people are really willing to, they just can't articulate it. Um, I think that's why mediators are important. A lot of times people want to say certain things and they want to make a connection. It just comes out wrong or they can't find the right words. People Mm -hmm. like yourself and myself, not that it's any making us any better than anyone. It's just our particular tool set. I do believe God gives us all unique tools and how you use those tools is so important. As a mindset and clarity coach, my tools are used to help women and some men that I work with articulate what their deepest desires are, what they need, what their blocks are so they can actually see clearly. They just can't do it themselves. Doesn't make them less brilliant, less intelligent. It just means I have a key that unlocks something that's that's locked up for them. 
And I think if we realize that everyone holds a key to something, some kind of truth, understanding, and they can unlock it for us, we'd be more excited about people jingling their keys. <laughs> I'm so with you on this. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's pride and arrogance that says, oh, I've got it all together. You're beneath me. I've learned that I can learn stuff from kids in kindergarten. I mean, if you're just open yeah. to learn and listen, there's so much to take in. And our, I think statistics says we use about, if you think of our brain as a file cabinet, we're only using about 10% in the first place. Why do we have such capacity? And if it's meant to be filled, but mm-hmm. what happens? People get in their little corner of the world and their space and their people and their this, and they stay locked up and they all that space goes to waste where they can be really storing and learning and growing and expanding so they can offer better keys to other people as well. Yeah. I often think with that, it's coming to back to a space of where it creates an awareness. We need to, to look through different lenses, but if we're not even in a space where we're willing to be aware, then we're just going to be closed off. And I think, you know, last year I put on the first of the Global Human Intelligence Forum. We're doing another one this year in October. But one of the things that was so important for me was not that it was another event, online event, not that it was just a place to feel good or anything like that, but really to create a safe platform where we could have more conversations with different people. So Mm. there was, and and I loved what you said, you know, we can learn from the young. So we had young, we had special needs, we had medical, we had, you know, so many, and I call distinctions, not diversity at the table, because again, it's going back to seeing them as a human first with their distinctions they bring. And what I loved about it, Thank you. What I loved about it was this, that we listened. So we gave them a keynote or a panel to speak on. And then we, like I would do, like I do here, have this conversation. And you know me, I don't hold back on any questions. Anything is a goer. And so I would ask anything. And then I did an open forum afterwards. Do you know what? It was an amazing time where... (laughs) All of us grew in our expansion of awareness Mm. and then we took what it was relevant to us and then owned whatever that looked like to us. And I think what if we could do that in more spaces where we are willing just to listen and to hear what maybe could be a new, new sense of an awareness coming to us so that although... In the past, we've been used to only using a small percentage of our conscious brain that we now open that up because, by the way, when you exercise a muscle, I believe that you then can get to use those. And what if we were to do that with awareness and then be going back to what you said earlier around us, what does that look like for us? What do we own from that And then what is the change we're going to bring? And I think if we can create spaces, more of those, we would see a lot more grace at the table. We would see a lot more empathetic humans willing to go into that unknown places. Any insights, thoughts around what I just said? No, I I, um, I mean, that's really deep and I'm, I'm processing. I think space is so important. And yeah, and I sometimes wonder if if space is what people 
if that's like the real big issue. I know for certain people that are ready and they are just, they're just looking for the opportunity to connect and have their voice being heard. But I think for a lot of people, they really need to develop their own voice. You know, they have this mm, space, like nothing, nothing comes out. They don't know what to say. And I mean that in the deepest sense of they don't really know how to connect to their own inner insights and feelings and how they see the world and to really have that validated within themselves. Like I know, for instance, it took me forever. So I, not to get into my entire backstory, but I believe that people have a lot of talents and gifts and abilities and you use them nonstop but they really don't know what the tools are. And I know I can say that specifically. So I went into Marine. When I was eight years old, I decided I wouldn't be a Marine biologist. I ran into that track. Um, I was determined. It didn't matter that I was African-American female. I didn't even actually factor that in at all until I realized I was at the bottom of the totem pole when I got into kind of the arena. But I had all these gifts that drove me to that big goal, dream and vision, but I could never articulate what those gifts were. And because I did not see the value of what I possessed, how was I going to have a conversation around it? How was I going to oh, I like that. I like and, that. Then, and then tell people like, hey, yeah, the reason I see the world so uniquely because I can do this unique thing. Mm-hmm. What makes me so different now is I did the deep dive that I help other people do. And actually, my program came out of my own uh, implosion and identity crisis that led me on a journey of discovery to to. to finally go deep and realize, okay, what's, what are, you, what are we all about here? Mm-hmm. And now when I talk, I see out of the lens that is clearly mine. I mean, there's nothing blocking it. So when I say that, oh, we sit at a table and every, I don't care if it's 10 women, people, two people, there are going to be some brilliant aspects and that the conversation mm-hmm. can engage more because I'm actually using the tools that come natural to me to see yeah. into other people and to stir that up. Imagine if we all knew our tools, our gifts, our abilities, and could actually launch those in those conversations and guide the conversation. It would make for a richer conversation. That would be so good. I'd love to be at those tables. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I think it really does take people themselves really being honed into themselves. And there's a certain confidence that comes from that. I actually, I love that when people really see that, oh, I have a unique point of view or I can do something other people can't do this way. Let me bring my gift to the table. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about it, the reason why these tables have such issues is that people really, there's a lot of insecurity at the table. (laughs) So when you're insecure, you're trying to cover up, you're trying to put something out there that's artificial that people are going to bite on and you're trying to hide the, you know, imposter syndrome or the madness. And that never makes for a deep, authentic connection. So you're always going to have a fray. You're always going to have rips you're always going to have a disconnect but when you bring purity in it's a whole different type of conversation it's so funny that that purity that authentic that realness it's an interesting thing when we're talking on the online space because you know i hear it non-stop oh well you know people on facebook they're not being real this is and i'm sure there's lots of that cases around you know there's the insta photos and are they really truly that gorgeous in real life? Who knows? Who cares? Like, seriously, I don't care. Like, I'm not going to spend enough time worrying about that. But I have to say that I have tried very hard over this last little while in life, probably the last two years specifically, to bring who I am online the same as what I am offline. 
Mm-hmm. And so some days I wear makeup because that's my world and that's the way that I feel like I best turn up. There's other days you will see me sweaty, hot, red face, and I've taken a photo. And I feel that this is really important because otherwise we set people up to fail. In other words, we say life is perfect. You look made up. You've got your hair done every moment of the day. There's no stress at all. And I try to make sure that I bring in the learnings from my challenges that I go through. I try to say, this is the next thing I'm working on because some of these things are hard work. Yeah. And and let's be real. I can't spend all my time on social media updating everyone on every single step of that. But I want to let you know that I'm working really hard. Like one of the things I did this year was I studied at Harvard doing global business. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, I was doing 2 a.m.s and 3 a.m.s to get those subjects completed. (laughs) And I did not have all the time to be, hey, by the way, this is what I'm doing. This is what, but I let people know. And I think that we can easily judge that everyone's fake or everyone's dead. It's not the truth. There are people willing to have real conversations like we're doing. There are people willing to turn up and just, hey, this is me. This is what I'm learning. This is how I'm doing it. If there's something you can take from this and springboard off it so you don't have to learn that the hard way I just did, then this will help you go even further in what you're doing. I think if we can do that more, and that becomes more acceptable as a norm, maybe, maybe then those that you talk about earlier that feel they don't have a voice would be willing to ask questions more and find out maybe what it is that they want to know or could be or how did you do that? And I hope that my life is an example, a role model, not just to my children, but to those that can see it as opportunity to what maybe they could do or do better or have in place because they see that it's possible through my life. And that's the good, bad, ugly. I, I, I don't hold back because I think this is where we can bring that realness, that honesty. And I think that's how we learn grace, as you spoke about earlier, because If you learn my challenges and that I might have failures too, then you might give me some grace to go, okay, she hasn't got it all together this week. It's a tough one for her. Maybe I won't be so hard on her at at having it all right. I don't know. Is this how we role model? Is this how we have more grace? Is this how we are more empathetic with others? You know, I think grace begins with yourself. I think you said it, you kind of alluded to it earlier. You were kind of describing just the goings on in your life. It really does start with yourself and learning not to take yourself so seriously. You know, a lot of the issues people face, they don't know they're going through. And I know for one, um, that was my story. Like I didn't even know perfectionism was a disease. Which oh, is girl, to- I've suffered from that. I'm in rehab right now. <laughs> and I just... I mean, but again, a lot of this comes back again. I do this for a living. And I and I think the greatest thing is helping people just see how they're wired. If you can take the tension out of the balloon, the balloon is just blown up. You know, blow a balloon where it's like about to pop just on the precipice of that. It's just being able to let some of that air out. And I think if people can have capacity within themselves, then they realize like, oh, I caught my breath. Okay. 
they can just kind of survey who they are better and then make decisions off of that instead of this ideology that they feel like they have to subscribe mm-hmm. to. So to keep oh. it, to make it plain, I was stuck in Perfectionville and um, <laughs> realized sometimes <laughs> people are stuck places because, again, they don't know who they are. I never saw myself right. as a high achiever. I minimized all my achievements. I thought I was normal. And if I was smart, I would have realized, like, no. I did, too. I was like, this is, I was like, everybody does this. And then people looked at me, they're like, no, everybody does not do that. And it's funny because I love telling my clients that I, I'll ask them, I'll just be kind mm-hmm. of plain face and I'll ask them questions. Do you think everybody can do this? And they'll start thinking about it. And they're like, wait, no, you're right. And then just <laughs> it, the confidence rushes mm-hmm. in, the grace rushes in because I tell people all the time, no problem. I was like, look, when it comes to unpacking people, that is my superpower. But please don't ask me to paint your house. Don't ask me to plant your garden. I suck. I can give you a litany of stuff. I am the worst at. And I think that is, this is where I love to help shape people. Because I think if we can stop thinking we have to dwell and make the mediocre perfect and instead leave that stuff. And shift your focus to what you, I'm telling you, you could do in your sleep and I would run circles around and still not be able to achieve. That's your superpower. Focus your energy there and let the rest go. And that allows people to breathe. They can kind of, and then they start getting their confidence back. And then they start seeing, okay, grace, I can do this. I can't do that. I'm human. Let me look at the next person. Oh, they're really good at this. They can't do that. It's okay. You too, we're human. And then it's the gift that just keeps on giving, in my opinion. But it starts really inside with with your perspective of yourself and letting go of all those preconceived notions and being so uptight. And so again, I'm so relating to all those things. That was the past, Kieran Marie. It's definitely not me today. But, you know, one of the things that I do is watch hilarious moms on like, and they are moms, these two amazing women and they've got huge followings and but I love watching them because I love them just being real online and telling stories so one of them has you know an autistic child and Wandala uh Dalda Wandalda I, I think that's how you say her name and diaries and I've only just seen her in the last little while but I love watching her videos right now and the reason being is you talk about that uptightness, you talk about perfectionism, you talk about all those things. She's the opposite to all of that. And it's such, it's a breath of fresh air to see that in play. The same with um, the other one is, and I can't think what her name is right now. She's Croatian. She's a beautiful woman who talks about motherhood and things like that. And And when I hear her stories, I just think of my own life as a mom of six kids and, and grandbabies now as well, you know, just going, oh, my gosh, this is so real. This is so my life. And on top of that, now I do this. And I think it's those stories that we often miss in society and yet it's every one of our lives. It's we're dealing with that. We are human beings who one day we might wake up going, oh, I'm tired today and I don't want to get out of bed. Even though we're the most positive person, we speak about mindset, whatever it is, but today is a tricky day. And you know what? It's okay to be like that. And I think this is that realness, that that authenticity that we all long for it to be more of our norm. 
you know, perfectionism is literally a crutch. It's a thing that will hold you back. Both you and I have been guilty of that. Like I said, I've been, I've been in rehab. I'm, I'm, I'm on the 12 steps for that have been for years <laughs> and I'm much better about it now. Like I am so like the fact that I'm actually on lockdown in a place where I'm not at my studio. I'm not at, we're, we're not even anywhere near our house right now. Like it's way down, I don't know, about eight hours away right now. And, you know, in the past I would have gone, you know what, we're not doing it until we get back into that spot. And these days it is, hey, how do we put this computer on? How do we stick that camera in? Where's yep. that queen corner that we talked about earlier? And we just make, make it, happen. it happen, right? Because yeah. the more important side of this is what is it? Maybe there's someone listening. Maybe there's someone who will listen in the future that they will take what we've spoken about, the conversation we've had, and there's something that's dropped in their world and gone, hey, I'm so glad you guys had that conversation. And to me, that's way more important than having it all right, looking right. I don't even have jackets right now. We are literally bare basics. And uh, this was not part of my agenda. But I love the fact that that's kind of a good thing that like, let's be flexible. We've got to be agile. This is what the world is teaching us right now. I mean, if it makes you feel better, I'm not wearing pants. So I. Excellent. <laughs> that makes me feel so much better. <laughs> I, you know, I've heard, you know, I, and I love that because I think the more we get to know people for people, you know, yeah. everybody comes with a preconceived notion and that's all right. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes it easier though when we tap into ourselves. So, you know, I always mm-hmm. tell people, come with a preconceived notion, you're going to meet somebody totally different you didn't expect. But I love what you said about fear. And I heard someone say, it's a quote, so that fear, or I'm sorry, perfectionism is um, mm-hmm. fear wearing a fur coat. And that always <laughs> makes me giggle. <laughs> but I, but I want to address something that you said that I, and this mm-hmm. is how I help my clients kind of make sense of it in their mind. I believe the reason it gets so messy with understanding who we are and really stepping out into those strengths, but then oftentimes sliding right into those insecurities is that there is, there's not a big chasm between our strengths and our weaknesses. And I think people always tend to think your weakness is something totally unrelated. I actually have an opposite theory. I believe your weaknesses are derived from your strengths and excess. So if you think about water, water is necessary, the most necessary element on the planet you would die without it. You can live without everything else except it for so a certain period of time. But as we all know, you can also die from acute water toxicity. So if I mm-hmm. sat right here and constantly drank water, I would die. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, whatever is your greatest strength, this is the reason why oftentimes people don't see it is because it's so intermixed. So for someone that is highly analytical, their strength could be that analytical part. But if it's turned up too high, that dial then it becomes analysis of paralysis. They can't make a decision. <laughs> they can't move fast. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling on myself, because that was always my challenge. And, it's, and I think the important thing is knowing that dial. I can tell when it's starting to turn way up. It's like, okay, Victoria, uh-uh, it's too much thinking. Come on, time to execute this wow. and that. And when people don't understand the way their strengths work and it, they end up in the weakness zone, they start to reject those parts of themselves. Mm-hmm. It's actually the most important part, but they don't know how to quantify it. Yeah. So it's so important to understand a distinction. I love that. Hey, before I forget, how do people find out more about you and connect with you if they oh. want to? Uh, sure. It's, um, I'm self-branded, so it's very easy. I'm a mindset and clarity coach, TEDx speaker, as I mentioned, and I'm delving in the world of personal branding and um, personal development. 
in a holistic approach. You can find me at my name is on everything. So www.victoriabaylor.com. I'm on Instagram under that name, across Twitter. I think Victoria D. Baylor um, on LinkedIn. You can just Google that. And I'm every major hub is listed under my name. So I'm pretty easy to track down and my phone number and email addresses and all that stuff is um, attached to my sites as well. I love that. You're you're like a walking ad when you talk like that. It's like, wow, she had that together that moment. <laughs> when when look, I can't be <laughs> I'm not much I can't help people with branding if I myself look a little bit disjointed. So I try to look a little bit put together. But you know, the truth is I always I think I love I love people and I just you know, we all have a unique fingerprint. And I always tell people, if you don't think there's something unique and God made you uniquely, I don't yeah. understand how to seven billion people you have only one coding that is unique to you. Mm-hmm. And I used to work in microbiology research. So of course we did all the, you know, DNA genetic sequencing of you know, like bacteria mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But there's so much diversity. I, I just think that it starts with us yeah. being willing to just be actually amazed at ourselves and it's something really you can't do by yourself, not usually. So it really does take leaning on other people for support and having these kind of conversations. When you laugh and you spark something in me, it makes me think about something and it sparks something in me. And then it, 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 man, that's my sister. We're connected. She's brilliant. Yeah. She's amazing. And I think we need more stones rubbing up against each other because it's the only way we're going to start a fire. We have to exactly. Oh, so good. So here's the thing. There is only one question that I ask the same on every decision table and we've got to that point of this conversation. And that is, what are you taking from this conversation? Mm, I think from this conversation, I am just, I'm reminded of, I think for me, just the importance of spearheading those type of conversations. Not the conversations I'm used to, not the conversations that are so comfortable. but And actually for me, what I love to do. And I feel like now it's even more of a kicker, but it's really, we all have gifts that are different. So I think it's important to use our gifts accordingly. But for me, it's to help facilitate and create the space. Yes. Because one of the things I realize is people don't feel comfortable. And one <laughs> thing that comes natural to me is creating an environment where people trust and feel comfortable and yeah. feel like they can be heard. So I feel like now it's more of a mandate. I do it in my coaching. It's what I do day in and day out. But when it comes to some of these topics that are a little bit different and aside from mm. what I do, just being in the space, I don't have to be the authority. I don't have to be this, yeah. that, and other, but just the presence alone means something. And I think yeah. that sometimes we try to second guess and think we have to know everything. That's impossible. I don't know economics like some people know economics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And be kind of that facilitator and mediator or be that smile and that nod that allows someone that's a little bit tied up to come out of their shell. So I I, I like that. I think that's really Yeah. Gosh, that was beautiful. And I think, you know, one of one of the things that I'm I'm doing is the Leaders Movement and we had our first parlay, the Leaders Movement Parlay, and we've got another one in August actually. And Part of what this is, is what you just spoke about then. And that just reminded me of it where, you know, there's other people willing to have conversations like this. But I think at times we need to learn how to navigate those conversations, how to rub those stones and create some tension because tension, by the way, it helps build muscle, right? Like if they're just always 
Yeah. So so that's Absolutely. where that uncomfortable conversation kind of comes into it. But I think there is a navigation to it. And I love caring because one of the things that, and this is why it reminded me of the Leaders Movement Parlay, was one of the commitments, well, the commitment that everyone left that meeting together was saying, hey, we're willing to create a space like this in the work that we're doing to have more of these conversations. And to me, that is the best thing when I hear other leaders who are wanting to do that in their space because that domino effect, yeah. that is how we bring change to a culture and, and some of these these things that are in our society right now that are creating so many biases, so much conditioning yeah. and so much systemic you know, issues that are filtrating into our DNA as we make decisions and things like that. So, you know, that was that was just music to my ears to hear someone else, you know, that is going to be willing to have those more of those conversations and create that safe space. So, thank you for do. Firstly, thank you for that and for your yeah, willingness to step that up and and see how that will. And I'm I can't wait to hear more about that. So what I'm taking from our conversation is something actually you said, and it did really remind me of, you know, not everyone knows or has formed what that voice is, but there is a willingness for them to want to know. And and I think that it's easy. No, it's not easy because actually that's been kind of difficult for some of us that do deep dive to find those spaces to have these kind of conversations. So that actually hasn't been an easy space, but I think the reminder is always that we are not to just leave people behind because there are, there is a willingness. It's a bit like what you said, you know, there's this moment where we think our weaknesses and our strengths, that there's a big gap between those. And I think the same is, you know, and that goes back to, like I said, about humanity as stakeholders. Humanity feels like this big way out there thing but it comes back to you and I. And I think having a voice or showing up and having a voice and knowing that you add really is just about opening spaces where that is safe for someone to start asking questions, start having a voice at the table, even if it's unformed, like as in it's not formed in all the perfect ways, it's got the best branding behind it, whatever it is, right? Yeah. It's just saying, hey, here's a space. And we want to know more about you and others willing to listen. And I think that that's something that I want to make sure that I include in my spaces, that space for that person or the people that still don't have it all formed but still feel safe in coming into that space to try and have a voice or find out what that voice can be. So thank you for that reminder. I really, for me, it's, it's good to have those moments and, and to remember that taking people on that journey means that maybe it's just creating a safe space and, and, and if they just sit there and then they might say one thing, that's okay, that's that one thing that they needed to say. I think we can often forget that. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming and having this conversation on the decision table. Is there anything else that you'd love to add that I haven't been able to, like you haven't had the space to say that you really feel that you need? <laughs> oh, you, you and I could talk for hours. Um, I know. 
You know, by the way, I'm going to end the broadcast soon, but don't race away straight away. All right. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. I love the way this kind of came out. I think as far as a takeaway for anyone listening, I, my message is always the same as I know yours is also is that um, I really want people to just kind of see their own giftedness and not be hindered or hurt or, you know, shy away from being themselves because of other people. And I think the people that have the gifts, we have a responsibility to. It's funny. I don't get into conversations with everybody like this. Because you don't take people that are wearing a snorkeling mask down into just because I have a scuba gear <laughs> to drown. So I think it's so important to also mm. realize that, you know, there are certain places where we can fully be. And then there's places where we want to be gentle and take people where we take it. Yeah. You know, God knows I never will have a conversation with Einstein about, you know, theory of relativity mm. wrong. Because good God, I'd be like eyes rolling sure. back in my head. <laughs> But I love it, though, because I think we're all puzzle pieces. And it's really about yeah. looking at the bigger picture and realizing that your piece matters to creating that yes. big picture. So I really do like this is the start of many great sparks, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Love that. And I love your piece of the puzzle, too. Thank you. I, it was a little bit banged up around the edges over these years, but we, Bring we on finally the got into up. the right position. God. <laughs> I love who you are today and that's that's the best you and you have given us so many droplets of wisdom here at the decision table so thank you I'm going to end this broadcast right now because you finished what you said was just so beautiful and I want people to remember that piece thank you amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode make sure you subscribe Ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change, and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.